Truelytics just hit 1.2, 1.3 million in ARR up from uh, about half that just a year ago. So over 100% year over year growth rate. They have about 16 enterprise customers paying $70,000 per year. A lot of three-year contracts in there. They are burning, you know, in a, in a bad month, $50,000 in terms of net burn. However, that will fluctuate up with some one-time fees and, and some services they're selling directly to advisors. They've raised 3.5 million bucks due to this team of five people uh, as they look to continue to scale. $30,000 CAC, four-month payback period. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Jeremy Carnell. He's a serial entrepreneur and has founded four companies, including one which he scaled to more than 100 million bucks in gross revenue. He's got significant experience in operating and scaling digital platforms and has helped a significant, he's helped run significant operations in the US, the United Kingdom, and Singapore. Currently, he is the president and CEO of a company called TrueLytics. All right, Jeremy, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right. The so COVID nineteen edition. The COVID edition. That's right. <laughs> so, 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 what? We're both hunkered down here in in Texas. Uh, for folks that uh, that haven't heard of TrueLytics, tell us what it does. What's the product do? Sure. So, TrueLytics is a SaaS platform right now focused in the wealth management space. Uh, all industries, but them in particular, are faced with what we're calling the great transition, which is just the the tsunami of retirements that are about to happen because of the baby boomers. And wealth management has done a very poor job in, in, in filling its ranks with a younger generation. And I think Sorelian Associates uh, predicts that the industry needs to recruit and or bring in 250,000 new financial advisors just to meet current demands. And so uh, Trulytics is a SaaS platform that's an advisor transition management platform, and it uh, helps wealth management enterprises with uh, sort of an end-to-end solution, helps them with recruiting financial advisors, helps them with practice management and optimizing their business, uh, protects that asset through an emergency continuity module, and then gives that asset a path for either strategic growth and or an exit through our uh, matchmaking solution. So it's it's that and it's the first one of its kind up until this point, the industry's really been dominated by professional services. And give me, before we jump into the product, give me a sense of size today. What, what revenue are you doing? So we are right now, I think around 1.1 million in annual reoccurring revenue. We launched the enterprise solution in the middle of, uh, two, in June of 2018. Okay. And was that your first revenue coming in in 2018 or you had revenue before that? No. So we purchased, the core of this application was uh, IP we acquired from an investment bank in the middle of 2016. And the way that intellectual property was designed uh, was really focused on selling direct to financial advisory firms. And so when we launched in 2017, that was what we did. We were trying to sell $1,075 licenses direct to financial advisors. That's not that's a that's a recipe for well a very difficult business <laughs> so we pivoted. why they just didn't have budget or well the, it's well there's a several different dynamics one is a lot of them are older and not necessarily um uh, that savvy with technology two is that a lot of these are lifestyle businesses and uh you know paying a thousand seventy five dollars for a uh, for a tool that would require them to do self-practice management was also sort of a, a, a tall order um, when we pivoted to wealth management enterprises, that's really when things took off for us. Because, so what, by the way, what is that? I think my, I don't know what that you mean when you say well, an enterprise, wealth management yes, enterprise. Yes. Well, 
Yeah. Okay. The wealth management industry is a relatively convoluted value chain. So it's made up of uh, several different layers. You've got independent broker dealers, you have custodians, you have asset managers. We, We view that set as a wealth management enterprise. And then if you expand beyond that, you have RIAs. Uh, you have then uh, connected within things like independent broker-dealers, OSJs, Office of Supervisory Jurisdictions. They're their own sort of mini enterprise. And then beyond that are the independent financial advisory firms. So it's it's a alphabet soup of layers. So can you na- can you put some faces to those descriptions? Can you name a couple customers that we might know that use uh-huh. you? Yeah, so we have, uh, as far as our top enterprise customers are concerned, we work with Cetera, LPL, uh, Capital Group, HDVest, Brinker, uh, Carson Group, uh, Advisor Group, um, Fidelity, the like, the, the likes of that. Okay, so people definitely have heard of Fidelity, so that that's helpful. Yeah. Okay, so so about one point one in ARR. I know about how many co- uh, customers have you scaled to today? So we have six. Well, so we, in our database is 7,500 independent financial advisory firms. Now, the bulk of that, 90% of that came from the wealth management enterprises, of which we have 16 of those enterprise relationships. Got it. So these are these are people, these are paying like very high amounts. What's, what's the average one paying per year? So the average uh, annual contract value is $70,000 and they pay uh, that, uh, they sign up for three-year contracts. And, and back us into that. So, so it's seventy thousand dollars per year, and they pay two ten up front. Yeah. So no. So our pricing uh, is is really tiered on the number of affiliated financial advisory firms for the with those enterprises. So it it starts at anything less than fifty, and then it goes up to um, if you if you have seven thousand or more financial advisory firms. LPL is a huge independent broker dealer. A Cetera is another one. They have like eight. Well, Cetera has, I think, over 8,000 independent financial advisory firms as part of their broker-dealer. They are, as our pricing fee is concerned, that would put them at $120,000 annual fee paid uh, annually for three years. Okay, got it. So $120,000 a year divided by $8,000, it's about $15 a seat per year. Yeah, and we sell and we sell directly to financial advisory firms uh, through our website, all of that self-service, and that is a thousand or that's 99 bucks a month. So about a thousand seventy-five a year. And so it's a huge, it's, it's really big value or at least savings for an enterprise to come in and purchase this for their entire network versus having their network come to us directly. Yep. Massive. So again, and put, to put all this on a timeline, you launched the company in, in 2016 with that acquisition. Yep. Okay, and what did you guys spend on that, or did you were you able to get that for free or a trade or something? No, no. So, so we we've raised since our inception. Um, we've had two different rounds of, of fundraising. Early on, when we to acquire the IP, was like we raised about a million dollars, generally from friends and family and some industry insiders. And then at the beginning of 2018, I think we did another two and a half million or so. I think in all, it's a little over. Three million dollars that we've uh, we've generated, and again, all primarily from industry insiders, no professional money. Okay, and again, scale today to about what is that a hundred and hundred and ten ish thousand dollars per month, something like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, yep. and where were you a year ago? Do you remember? Yes. So here, I'll let's see here. Uh, so last, let's see, enterprise annual recurring revenue. Um, 
Uh, well, let's look at monthly reoccurring revenue. So we ended uh, 2020 with 122,000. You mean 2019? Uh, uh, 2019, I'm sorry, thank you. We ended 2019 with 122,000 in MRR. That was a 109% increase over 2018, which was at 53,915. That's got it. Yeah, that's good growth. So yeah. what uh, and what do you think you'll grow at in 2020 considering the virus? Is that what has changed for you? Uh, exactly. So we we actually had uh, we had pretty reasonable goals going into the year where we were just looking to add a net new 1 million. And had we done that, uh, we would have generated a $400,000 profit at the end of the year. Um, and, uh, and what but, was your profit but, last year? I'm sorry. What was your no, profit last year? So our EBITDA last year, we, we weren't profitable last year. Again, we had about six months in the green, but we ended with negative Five hundred forty thousand dollars, um, and uh, a negative sort of forty eight percent EBITDA. Um, but you know, going into our basically our our, our second full year, uh, we had a path to actually get to break even cash flow positive uh, by the end of twenty twenty. We've reset that. Um, I'm um, I'm a big fan of the book uh, Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. I don't know if you read it. But that whole the theory of that whole book is to stay in the game as long as possible. And given the sort of left curve, the black swan event of, of COVID-19 and the pandemic, what we've seen early on is a lot. We, we've got five million dollars in our pipeline. We, we had uh, an expectation, again, of, of closing a million of that. We've seen in Q1 uh, basically a lot of decisions being pushed into the basically the middle of the year, if not the back half of the year. So that's really had us revise down our expectations. Um, and, and we need more data points, uh, such as whether or not enterprises are going to be willing to spend in this time. Um, so far, we've seen small, like not enough for me to be convinced. And so we're really preparing to, again, just make sure we're in this game for the long run. So we've really uh, reduced... Uh, where we could in the OPEX. Um, we, we still have some really good client opportunities in front of us, but instead of reaching for that million as a, as a net new reach target, it's now 600,000 at the high end. But if we finish the, if we close 250,000 of net new, we still end the year with a half million in the bank. So I'd be happy with that. As we're all stuck, guys, because this virus, there's a lot of you guys that are probably finding yourself doing the same thing over and over. And you knock it out each morning and you convince yourself you made progress today and you feel good, but it's the same dumb task over and over. You should automate that. Use a tool like Fiverr to get it done. I actually just started doing this with little logos I'm creating. Found a designer on Fiverr. You can find what you're looking for pretty instantly. You know, you can go on there, search by service, deadline, price, number of reviews is a good one and a lot of other metrics. So the other good thing is, you know, these people, they tell you their price up front. You'll know exactly what you're paying right up front. You don't have to negotiate like crazy. They get back to you 24 seven. I post a project, I get a reply in about two seconds. It's unbelievable. So it's also quality talent you can count on. Fiverr's done the work of getting all these great creators and producers in one spot. So I really encourage you guys as you're automating your business systems, look to sources like Fiverr to automate these things that do not require your brain power. Check out fiverr.com today and receive 10% off your first order by using my code top. That's T O P. It's so easy. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F I V E R R.com code top. Again, folks, that's fiverr.com and use the code top. 
All right, see you there. So Jeremy, long lasting in, in today's day and age in SaaS world means cash and profitability. Walk me through where you're at today. So if you do $120,000 this month, how much will you burn or are you break even? No, we're not break even. So we have um, a monthly burn, uh, monthly, well, a monthly burn of 134000 But given all of the current enterprise contracts, we, so that's gross. Our net burn um, is 55,000. That includes all of the current contracted revenue. And so that that's the number that gets us to the 600 and I think $660,000 target, which would make us break even. And had we been a million, if we were able to get to a million, maybe we still can just don't know, given the current state of affairs, that puts us at 400,000. Let me just run that back by you. So your current monthly recurring revenue is about $120,000 per month. Mm-hmm. Your total expenses, your so your gross burn, you said is about one hundred thirty-four thousand dollars per month. Uh, yes, that's right. So when if you subtract those two, that would mean your net burn is about negative ten thousand per month, correct? So, so yes. So I the the del- there's a delta here. There, there's revenue. Yes, um, I'm, I, I think I've actually gave you a enterprise uh, revenue number, not included the direct to advisor revenue number, that that additional revenue that we get from firms coming to us directly. And so okay. I apologize if there's a delta between the two. Um, and and there's uh, we also have not included in the annual reoccurring revenue one-time fees like onboarding, white labeling, things of that nature. So I do think that uh, it, it's it's more, I think the number is actually closer. We ended 2019 with about 1.1 million in, um, in subscription revenue, enterprise subscription revenue. And, um, let's see that. that, So, and then the enterprise ARR on that is a, is a million, uh, 1 million 47,000. So it is, I think that's the the more accurate number. Got it. So let me just repeat this back to you. You have some direct to financial advisor relationships and some one-time fees that make you profitable every month? Uh, depending upon the month, yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah. So what is that you, you said when you just told me your net burn, you said 50,000. So I, I'm just trying to figure out how you get in any month, how you get to net burn. of Is that positive 50,000 or negative 50,000? Uh, so that's negative fifty thousand. Okay, got that. Okay, so worst case, you're burning fifty thousand a month. Some months that's, you that's, might get up to break even or cash flow positive if exactly you sell right. a lot of one time. That's, that's exactly right. Got yeah. it. Okay, so so let's talk about like COVID response. What was your team size before the virus hit? So the team size before the well, the team size in eighteen was five. And then we brought in a chief technology officer. Best decision we could have ever made at the beginning of of twenty. And, and so that added um, a sixth person. And then our COVID response uh, was unfortunately having to lay off one employee okay. so far. And, and what that did, we did that and we applied for PPP. Um, and uh, we didn't make the first round, ironically. But how, we, much, how much were you eligible for on the form? 113,000. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so uh, effectively what as far as our planning is concerned, we had to do the one layoff and then we have a 90 day plan. Basically in Q2, we want to at least have uh, between a hundred to $200,000 of signed MSAs in their first round of edits to meet our goal. Like if we do that, we're not going to make, we're not going to take any additional action. If we don't, if we have a Q2, that's very similar to a Q1 where there's no 
positive data points that enterprises are wanting to spend, then we're probably going to have to take a second round of actions, which will be most likely uh, uh, one or two furloughs. What does gross revenue churn look like over the past 12 months? Zero. Okay. You, so you don't have any of the 15 or 16 customers have downgraded or canceled? No, so it, but, to be, but to be fair, they're in three-year contracts. So we're not like next year is the better time to ask that question. Right? People are going to want to know how you convince people to sign a three-year contract on day one. How do you do that? That's like magic. It Well, it, it, it's it's really, um, I mean, we're in a really interesting industry. Again, there's not any competition for us. I mean, we are by ourselves, effectively. I would say the closest, I should, I'll, I'll caveat that. We're by ourselves in North America. In um, in Canada, there is a competitor that we respect uh, greatly, which is uh, fine, Bob. But other than that, there's not a lot of options. And we're a startup. We're a startup that isn't flush with a lot of growth capital. And so the partners that we're working with, all of these major enterprises, see the enduring change that we're trying to make in the industry and find, and absolutely have, um, have been really embracing this notion of these three-year contracts to give us some revenue stability so we can grow. So they've been, I get, I tip my hats off to the industry. They've and been, then, okay, so, you, so you'll charge someone $70,000 per year. You'll have them commit to three years. If they're unhappy in month 14 and ask for a refund on the final two years, do you give them a re, like, or not a refund because they haven't paid you yet, I don't think. But do you let them get that money back? Um, can you repeat the question? Sorry. Yeah. If you sell me a $70,000 a year plan and I commit yeah. to three years in month yeah. 14, if I'm just not happy, what happens? So in month 14, well, uh, the contract would require you to still pay on the contract. Now, in the event that that were to happen, we would probably negotiate a settlement. So we would say, no, you don't have to pay the full two years, but pay us this and we'll release you. Okay. Do you, do you have any expansion revenue? In other words, sometimes three-year contracts like this, people forget to build in natural accelerators, like a five-year like in natural increase in the ACV. So you actually have expansion yeah. revenue. How do you yeah, drive expansion revenue when you lock in terms? So our terms allow us to increase the base subscription um, 10% every year. Okay. Uh, have you done that yet or no? Is it too early? We, we haven't done it up in, we, we, I, I was going to say we haven't done it yet, but that's not true. As of last week, we actually created a platform pricing fee schedule. So uh, everything I've been talking to you about right now is really uh, a la carte pricing uh, for each of the different modules that we have. And we just came up with our a platform pricing, which includes everything that has baked into it our first 10% increase. I see. Okay. So you expect to have about 10% net, uh, sorry, 10% expansion over the next 12 That's months. Right. Net new. That's exactly right. Zero gross will mean 110% net revenue retention. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. What are you paying to get a new $70,000 a year customer? So we are paying uh, exactly $30,686. Okay. And that's for the three-year contract for three-year contract. Okay. And that average contract value is again about $70,000 a year. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, that's a very healthy payback period for four months, five months. Yeah. Yeah. Four or five. Yep. That's right. That's great. Um, do you get more aggressive on spending during COVID or, le- or less aggressive? On spending? On acquisition. Yeah. Specifically oh, uh, money towards so, customers. No, actually. So what's baked into that price is, um, is really account-based selling and inbound marketing. So we, it's, it's, that doesn't change for us, given the fact that we don't spend anything. We don't spend anything on paid search. We don't pay, spend anything on brand advertising. Uh, all our, our the primary um, items that make up our CAC are um, our CEO is our chief revenue officer. So a percentage of his salary. We've got 
a freelancer that helps us with um, the marketing. And, and we test a couple of lead gen platforms here or there. And so very small amounts. So it's not a lot of money. And that doesn't change given, you know, our, it's, it's such a rounding error on our, on our overall OPEX. Hmm. So Interesting. Are you raising any additional capital right now? We are. We just, um, we just actually uh, uh, gave a mandate to an investment bank yesterday after, after going through a, a pretty rigorous process. And uh, they are going to help us either look for, um, well, generally help us uh, find a strategic. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's their mandate. You want to so, sell to a strategic? Oh, it's either have a minority investment. It's all obviously going to depend on the valuation, but it will either be a minority investment or a majority. I mean, we'll, we'll see which way it goes. What, uh, what revenue multiple do you think you can convince them to go with for value from a valuation perspective? That's uh, I'm going to defer that question. I'd rather the IBs come up with that. Um, I mean, I'd love the 10x on that, yeah. but uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. We'll see what we can get. Interesting. All right, yeah. let's wrap up here, Jeremy, with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, currently, Elon Musk. Really, no. really interested in him, yep. Number three, favorite online tool for building the company? HubSpot. And number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Seven to eight. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. every morning, go to sleep at 9.30 p.m. That's good. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, two kids, a seven and eight. Busy guy. All right, and how old are you? I'm sorry? How old are you? Oh, 49. 49. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Not to be... So So I've been a serial entrepreneur my entire life. And if I could tell... And so I got started in my 20s. And if I could tell that person one thing, it would be to uh, it, it not be so hard on myself. I've, I've experienced great success. I've also experienced great failure. And I would say that the failures have been so instrumental in my success since those failures, much more so than any previous success I've had. And, and those, uh, I, I need to honor that experience. I need to honor that education. And that's what I would tell my 20 year old self. Guys, there you have it. True Lytics just hit 1.2, 1.3 million in ARR up from uh, about half that just a year ago. So over 100% year over year growth rate. They have about 16 enterprise customers paying $70,000 per year. A lot of three-year contracts in there. They are burning, you know, in a, in a bad month, $50,000 in terms of net burn. However, that will fluctuate up with some one-time fees and, and some services they're selling directly to advisors. They've raised 3.5 million bucks to this team of five people uh, as they look to continue to scale. $30,000 CAC, four-month payback period. Jeremy, we're rooting for you, man. Thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks a ton. You be safe.